0: that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations.
1: <laughs> Valeria interviews Kat Tanzi. Kat is a change agent, author, and educator who worked with corporations and individuals to help them implement change for over 40 years. She wrote Winning the Change Game How to Implement Information Systems with Fewer Headaches and Bigger Paybacks in 1987 to introduce her change model, which reflected her deep understanding of the hero's journey. The 4,000-year-old Hero's Journey had become part of her life in 1961, when she serendipitously stumbled into a mythology course her freshman year in college, and her life has been, and still is, a series of Hero's Journeys ever since. Kat left the corporate and consulting world in 2006 to write Choosing to Be— lessons in living from a feline Zen master to help her recover from chronic fatigue syndrome by learning how to meditate. The book was picked up by Find Horn Press, translated to Dutch and Chinese, and continues to travel the world helping people learn to meditate and overcome depression. She began a radio show called Finding Magic in Midlife in 2008, to interview well-known women from a variety of disciplines and explore how they navigated and thrived through major changes in their lives. Then Kat began developing online programs like Choosing to Be Fit, The Art of Taking Small Steps to Transform Your Life, in 2013, all of which have led to her current work, teaching the hero's journey that has been part of her life since college and teaching the resilience skills that are the result of her six years of research. Kat's focus these days is on her Awakening Your Hero's Journey and Becoming a Resilient Hero programs to help people learn how they can create their own roadmaps and develop the resilience skills they need to become their own heroes in these turbulent times. Kat studied English literature, mythology, and philosophy for her BA at Mary Washington College in Virginia and studied organization development, finance, and organization behavior for her MBA at Pepperdine University in California. To learn more about Kat and her work, please visit kattanzy.com. Here is the interview with Kat Tanzy.
0: your own words, who is Kat Tansy? <laughs>
2: uh, what a question. I think I sum it up uh, now in my life because, and it's actually one of my programs, but I really think of myself as a resilient hero. And that's because of my work with The Hero's Journey and learning over the years. My understanding of what's needed to be resilient has evolved through a number of different circumstances in my life. So that just sort of sums it up for me is resilient hero.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love that title. So
2: thank you for what you do, Kat. We need it. (laughs) Yeah, so do I.
0: (laughs) Before we talk about some of the topics in your ebook, Awakening Your Hero's Journey, Evoking the Power of Myth, and also the two online courses you have, which the title of one of them is the same as the book, Awakening Your Hero's Journey, and the other one, The Resilient Hero Program, as you just mentioned. So I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off-record. The first one is, what does it mean to be a human being?
2: I think it's, for me, it's um, it's really, it's an evolution. We, we evolve over a period of time, and we learn, and we I mean, part of my work with The Hero's Journey is this idea of going through um, a process that results in some kind of a transformation. So the way I see it is that we have the opportunity to continue to evolve over our lifetime by taking on other challenges or things that we're really interested in and I think of it as a spiral. I really think of it as a spiral. And I, I just look through my life and say, oh, well, I did this, and then that led to that, and that led to that, and that led to that. So I guess it's just a being who evolves. Yeah, I like that. It's true. What is to be resilient from your
0: perspective?
2: Well, you know, I've been playing with this for a long time. I've been I've done a lot of research on it, and I've been through many rather sometimes rather difficult situations so I think for me now um, it is a matter of looking at what are those things that we really need to pay attention to in terms of being resilient and I'm just looking real quickly at thanks for I had this list because it is very helpful I think for people. the way I look at it now I have I have sort of the three or four the three basics are really our health I mean, if we can't have some reasonable degree of good health, it's very difficult to be resilient. Um, self-confidence is the next biggie. I think that often we get stuck and it's difficult to be resilient if we don't have confidence in ourselves. Problem solving, I think, is one of the most significant things that we need to be able to do, particularly in today's world. I think I think what what I see us going through now is is it there's a lot of problem-solving involved. <laughs> I see it also, now this, I must say, Valeria, it kind of uh, is one of my things, and that is to be constantly curious and open. Learning from others, being playful. We gotta have some fun. Um, being usually optimistic, not always optimistic. Being non-judgmental. I think that's my my biggest challenge. <laughs> And then there's a strange one kind of flexible and paradoxical. We have to be able to to think flexibly and to paradoxical is almost like looking at the opposite side. And then the last two are being calm in a crisis and tolerating ambiguity. Wow,
0: this is so so important. Do you connect self-confidence to self-love?
2: Yes, I do. I think when I started working on that, I was I was teaching a course on choosing to be fit for midlife women. And they were struggling with some things that they, they there was some resistance and struggling. And then I I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, maybe maybe they need to have more um, a self-awareness or self-compassion, if you really will. And so I brought that back. I brought that in and started working with that. And I found that that was very important. I think it's I think it's difficult to be self confident if we don't have self compassion because we're always judging ourselves. True,
0: now that goes back to the non judgmental state of being, right? <laughs> so I have a few questions, three questions about life itself. What do you think life is? What is this experience? Not
2: what it's about, but what is it? You know, I think to me it's a it's an experience of discovery. I've been, I've, I've moved many times, I've been to many different schools, I've had very varied career, and it just was a matter of continual discovery of who you are, how you relate to other people, what's happening in the world. I mean, I'm 76 now, so I've been around, you know, a pretty long time. So I've seen a lot of changes, and I think that it is, it's, it's an
0: evolution, Oh, wow. So that leads me to not the follow-up question, but my third question about life, evolution. Um, Is there a destination? What's the purpose of this journey, of this discovery?
2: Well, I think, you know, for me, uh, and see, I, I learned about the hero's journey when I was a freshman in college. I literally stumbled into a classroom on it and thought, wow, this is really cool. And so for me, because of the hero's journey, I the hero's journey is an evolutionary process. I mean, you go through one journey, and then, as I say, you spiral up, or maybe you spin out. It depends on what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well does spiral up? True. Um, so I think it is. It is just evolving, and I think the purpose. Let's see. For me, the purpose changes over time, um, and I think that's true with a lot of us. I think one of the the key things for me about teaching the hero's journey, particularly now, is to help people really define what their purpose is, because if you don't have one, you're kind of floating. you know, you don't have something like a beacon light that you're heading toward. So I think it's evolving, and I would say that probably most people, I don't know that that's true. I'll take that back. Maybe some people have a consistent purpose throughout their whole life. I don't happen to be one of them. (laughs) Me
0: too.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) True. So if there is
0: purpose, so finding our purpose, how do we do that? How do we find our purpose, especially at at a young age? Because in my case, it took me 37 years to find it.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. And I think that's something that we're missing in these days in our education process. And the hero's journey was around for 4,000 years. And and I learned about it in the early 60s. And even in like the mid 80s, that's when Joseph Campbell and Bill Moyer did a PBS special. Um, and it was very, very popular. But somewhere along the line in the 90s, I think we just sort of lost it, you know, and it just it just hasn't been around. So I think it's very difficult for people when they don't have what Campbell saw when he went around to all these cultures and looked at these myths. He found this one myth. He called it the monomyth. And it was the same across all cultures. And that was the hero's journey. And so his take on it was that this was a myth designed to help give people kind of a roadmap. And so when you have that and you have it consistent throughout your whatever your culture is, it makes a big difference in having a purpose at an early life. It can change. But I I think there's I think there's a lot of work we need to do on this. (laughs) True.
0: Yeah. I know that he used to say, follow your bliss. Yeah. That's the fame. Very famous line. So that might be a sign, a hint (laughs) that whatever makes us happy in a way.
2: And I guess it's hard for us to discover that sometimes, you know, if the schools aren't, I think in our schools in the United States, I see that we're not doing enough in the arts and, and culture. And so it doesn't give them a chance to explore all different kinds of avenues. True. So, yeah, you're right
0: and yeah, we need to be exposed to more choices options in order to choose from right yes yes um so my other question about purpose how do we know when we have found our purpose
2: if i think about the people i've worked with and and friends i've had and just how i see people i think it i think it varies valeria i think that some people are very clear about it. They're very committed. You know, maybe they decide they want to be a minister or they want to be a teacher or whatever that is. And, and they just kind of stick with that. I think other people sort of they think they want something and they do it. And, and they, they end up not really feeling happy about it, but they don't, they don't feel like they can change. So people get stuck. Other people, you know, you'll see them change their purpose over the years. Um, They might do one thing and that's my situation. I, you know, something I I talked about my curiosity. um, Something comes up and I'm curious. I'm thinking, wow, that really looks interesting. I want to do that for a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. And then something else comes up. So we're all, I think we're all a little different in the way we approach it. Yeah,
0: I agree. I love this idea of being open and not holding on too tight to anything. Exactly. Yeah, so we don't feel stuck. Uh, continue with my warm-up questions. The next one's about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free?
2: Wow, that's a tough one. I don't feel like I have a lot of freedom right now. My partner died a year and a half ago, and and we had moved to a place that I wasn't really familiar with, and I'm I'm not totally sure I'm going to stay here. And so I'm and I'm busy trying to get my courses going. And I love what I do, but I would like to have more freedom. So, but I think, again, it changes as your life changes. You know, some people have all the freedom in the world and others don't have any. And I think right now with the situation we're in, with the quarantines and the everything that's going on, I mean, people have really had their freedom taken away. And it's a it's a life-changing experience.
0: Yeah, it has been. And speaking of what's happening now, what do you think is the greatest need in the midst of what we're going through? And do you have a vision for a new reality?
2: Yeah, I kind of do. I I have this good friend, we were we both had radio shows some years ago and we got back together and we we're starting a new podcast that's called the script changes every 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we came up with that because that's how it feels right now. You know, it's just always changing. Something's going on. So what I'm seeing is the need for, and it's kind of tricky, and this is where the hero's journey comes in. There's the need to have your purpose and and have your roadmap. And I want to, I'll say one more thing about that in a second. But, but there's that, but then there's also this ability, when I talked about tolerating ambiguity, this ability to just, you know, look at things, see them coming through and decide. So Anne and I are working on an approach that says we take them through the hero's journey and we look at, um, every week we'll look at what's, what what is the script changed now? <laughs> right. You know, and just try to teach people. We, it's like we have to have a balance between a plan that we have and this ability to be flexible.
0: Yeah,
2: I agree. And to also examine. I think what's happening now with Facebook and everything. I think we are getting too swept up in all of this stuff, and it's just carrying us away. So we have to learn to to have our base, so we can say, "Hmm, that little piece that I don't really—that's not really that important to me. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this other part." True. You know, we have to, we have to make
0: choices. I think. I agree. Yeah, I agree.
2: That makes sense,
0: yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I try not to, um, I'm not exposed to a lot of these things like TV. I don't watch TV. I don't, yeah, Facebook, you know, I go there to promote the podcast, but then that's it, <laughs> and then I leave. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know exactly why people, most people do that.
2: I don't, I think it, well, again, I think it's that, it's been such a dramatic change for so many people. And so they're lost. They don't they don't have the world they had before. And they're feeling kind of lost. And so they they just all this stuff just keeps coming in and they just keep letting it come in because they haven't they haven't yet figured out how to have a new purpose that fits in this environment. In a way it's great to be open,
0: but at the same time being open with self-awareness, that combination, right? Exactly. So I have a few more warm-up questions. The next one's about love. What is love to you?
2: Yeah. I've heard you ask this question of people, and it really made me start thinking. About oh, you're expecting. Hopefully, you didn't think about the answer. I, I, know, people, I know most of your questions. Oh no. Uh, I, you know, I still, I still puzzle about it, Valeria. Um, I think, I think love is it's so central to everything. I mean, self-love, I think self-love is probably often the most difficult and then loving others and being able to be open to it. I don't know. It, it, for me, it's kind of, it feels kind of vague for me. I mean, I love a lot of things. I love, I love animals. I love people. I love nature. I, I mean, there's so many things that bring me love. And I think for me, it's, Knowing what love feels like for you and making sure you seek it out. Yeah, I heard an answer,
0: an interesting answer, just like yours. Yeah. Love changes. The way people accept, receive love is different. So we need to learn about them, understand them first.
2: Yeah, and and that self-love is really key. I think it's hard to, I think it takes some of us a long time to develop self-love and and that if we don't have that, then it's also hard to really love others. So I think I guess I would put a premium on self-love.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I agree. Uh, do you believe in unconditional self-love? Yeah, I
2: would say I do. Because it's it puts you in a non-judging place. I think what holds us up a lot is that we begin to judge. I've I've seen that in, in as people go through the hero's journey course, is that they're They're judging themselves a lot and that defeats their ability to really love and love others and love ourselves.
0: Yeah. Right. So yeah, I I believe in that kind of practice, although it is challenging (laughs) a lot of
2: times. (laughs) (laughs) Catch yourself, you know, you're here. You're you may be writing or you may be thinking about self-love and everything. And then all of a sudden you do something and I said, What did I say to myself? I said, Oh, you big dodo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) I hear myself saying that and I just
0: laugh. Oh, good that you laugh because I love sense of humor. Yeah, just kind of, yeah, being light with everything. (laughs) not so solid. Right. I have two more questions. What is your understanding and idea of
2: peace? Well, there's so many forms of peace. I mean, there's world peace, there's peace in the streets, there's peace everywhere, there's inner peace. I think inner peace for me is probably very significant. And I think for most of us that if we have that, we are more capable of dealing with a world that is in a tremendous amount of chaos and turmoil right now. And so I think... I I see that as being the most important thing that we need to do right now because otherwise we get swept up in, well, we see it. We see the anger and the hatred and the violence and uh, just, I mean, it's all of this stuff is just bringing out the worst in many people. And in order to be able to live in this environment, we have to have a very peaceful center Which is sometimes difficult. I mean, I find myself slipping out of it sometimes, you know, saying an occasional pretty big curse word.
0: (laughs) That's cute. I love how authentic you are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we are all practicing something here. Uh, I love the way you connected the word peace to inner peace, right? I agree 100%. And my last question is, you probably heard this one. What, where, and who is God to you?
2: Uh, I'm glad I had heard that one so I could think through. Um, I actually have, I, I was raised in, uh, you know, the Protestant religion and and God and said prayers and all of those kinds of things. And that was okay, but I had a, an experience, I got very, very, very ill with, before they even knew what chronic fatigue was, I was at the top of my career and I just got totaled and I was very depressed. And I ended up stumbling on a, a book by Soigo Rinpoche that was in my my bookcase. And as I was reading it, he was talking about Buddha mind. And, and then he also talked about this concept that our mind, our thoughts are like, please. And that really intrigued me because, you know, I think sometimes we think that we're thinking the thoughts. but obviously, But many times the thoughts are thinking us. And that was a key thing for me, Valeria, that I I could not get from prayer or my traditional religion. So I decided that I wanted to learn to meditate, and and I spent a great deal of time doing that, and then writing my book, Choosing to Be, about it. And I think what it evolved for me was this understanding of, and, and maybe some people can do this. Maybe they can pray to God, and they can, and that helps them their thoughts get sorted out. That never quite worked for me. I think what I needed to do, there's the story of the Buddha is that he, you know, he tried for so long to to be meditated and meditated and meditated. And there is this this persona called Mara, who is the, you know, the destructive being and that would come and try to destroy him because they didn't that Mara didn't want him to be able to have peace and I remember reading about that and I was really struggling at the time in my meditation. I would I would sit there and I would really try to do everything I could to let go of the thoughts and they were just racing. So I, at one point, um, I guess I have to tell you that um, the title of my book is Choosing to Be Lessons in Living from a Feline Zen Master because my, my main Coon Cat um, was one of the major characters in the book. And, so i was learning from him as well and we had a discussion about one of the hindrances to meditation is restlessness and i reached the point in that hindrance where i could not get out of it i just was so restless i couldn't deal with it and he kept he kept saying well you know just keep going you'll see it you'll see it and ultimately i was sitting on the floor meditating and i was really struggling and i thought about the Buddha sitting there and Mara came down and said, this is not your seat, you know, and mm-hmm. and and he but he stayed and then he was all right. And, and all of a sudden something happened to me and I just thought, OK, I'm this is my seat. This is my seat. I'm going to stay here. And what it turned out to be about the restlessness was that down deep, I didn't believe I was good enough and I couldn't face that. Wow, how amazing. What I love
0: about the Zen Buddhism and the, the philosophy, the practices, is that it's so direct. It's basically no mind. Uh, as long as you are in the mind, in the world of the mind, you won't have peace. You you cannot
2: rest. I don't know. I mean, I know there are a lot of people who who have religious beliefs and believe in God and they pray. and And so somehow I there must be a way that they are able to do what we're talking about through believing in God and prayer and everything. It just wasn't, it it didn't quite work for me. Yeah, that would be a different conversation <laughs> about how
0: religious yeah, beliefs, you know, can help with interviews. I'd love to talk to somebody about that.
2: I know. I've always been curious about that myself. So um, let's talk
0: about your work. And this is had to be my first question. How did you become a writer?
2: Well, I always was. I was a lit major and I took a lot of courses. I did poetry and writing. I always I always wrote. And I think that um, choosing to be was really kind of the, the defining. Well, no, I take that back. Before that, I wrote a book called Winning the Change Game, which was about the experiences I had all the years when I was in the corporate and consulting world, helping companies and people make some major changes. And so, and I wrote it with a friend and we wrote it as a novel. Um, And so that was kind of the first thing I did. But then when I got to choosing to be, that was, that was really um, from, from the heart and I loved doing it. And it honestly, I think it saved my life more than anything else because I still was struggling with chronic fatigue. I had no energy, but I loved to write, and I loved to talk to the cat. And that was really what set me on that path. And so I write. um, Yeah, that's really how it started. I haven't written any books in a long time, and I'm not sure I will again, but I, I write a lot of stuff. Right.
0: I love the title, though, Choosing to Be. What an inspiring
2: title well you know what it was it was that I I literally was so depressed I was thinking about killing myself and that's when I saw the book by Soyal Rinpoche and I read that about the mind is like a flea and all of a sudden I thought about it and I thought well if that's the case and I have this thought and I decide I want to kill myself and I do it well probably the next thought might have been that I wouldn't have done it wouldn't that be a shame
0: Right, right, (laughs) right 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 so yeah, going back to the mind is not it's not a reliable place to live from. <laughs> I always think about going from this state of mind, of living in the mind, to a state of being or a state of the heart. That's more like it, <laughs> like living this way. Um, so what was the inspiration and intention of writing your Ebook "Awakening Your Hero's Journey," and also the programs, the uh, online courses that you have created.
2: Well, it, it evolved. What was happening? I, I first created a course on choosing to be fit, and that was for midlife women. And that's when, I'm, and that's when I began to see that they were. Uh, some of it was a lack of self-compassion and, and some of it was they just were getting in their own way. They were resisting some of the things they needed to do. So I was watching that. And then I thought, well, I think maybe what I should do is create a course on self-compassion. So I did that and that turned out to be, and remember, I, the hero's journey has always been with me since I was in college. So it's just it was just natural to me to think that way. So when I was doing the self-compassion one, First of all, I discovered that I had very little self-compassion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works a lot of times, right? Writing, love writing.
2: Yeah. As was true with many of the women in the group. And and then that's that's when I saw it. I thought, oh my gosh, I am teaching people these things when there is the hero's journey that is actually lays out for you the 12 stages of the journey. And it's like a roadmap. And I'm teaching them this this stuff and they don't even have the roadmap. So that's when I said, all right, I should teach the hero's journey first. Because once you have the hero's journey and you understand the map, and I'll also talk about the lifeline, then it makes all of the other things you're trying to learn easier. And that lifeline thing just came to me a couple of days ago, I think because of where we are in our world right now. I've been calling it a roadmap. And then I I was talking to my friend Ann about it. And I said, Do you know what I just realized? I think, I think it really is more like a lifeline. And she said, Well, what does that mean? Well, I grew up in Kodiak, Alaska um, on a naval base. And so I saw, you know, the Navy ships and all of that. And, And what they have on ships is a rope or a line that goes all around the decks. And so when the ship is is in a storm and it's going back and forth and water sweeping over, they can hold on to that line and pull themselves around and not get washed away. And that's now how I see the hero's journey. I think it really is a lifeline for us.
0: Wow. Let me ask you some questions about it because um, that would be interesting for the audience to know. Perhaps we can start with the history of the hero's journey. Well, it
2: started in the 40s with Joseph Campbell. He was very interested in mythology and he ended up, as I say, going around the world, looking at all these different cultures. And that's when he found this one myth that kept coming up And that. So he kind of discovered this monomyth, which really was the hero's journey. And so he's been working with it for a long time. And then it's, you know, it's kind of spun out. One, One interesting thing I love was when George Lucas was writing Star Wars. He had this huge mess on his hand. I mean, he had all these different characters and all these different plot lines, and it was just—it was a big mess. And then one day, he remembered because I—I took the course. Christopher Vogler wrote a, had a course on the hero's journey about for writers, and I took it at UCLA. And and um, uh, Lucas had taken it some time before, and uh, and suddenly he kind of thought about that. And he went back and started looking at it. So he ended up using the hero's journey to lay out the movie Star Wars. And that's what, of course, made it work so well. And then it got passed on to other studios. So it it's really been, um, I mean, it, there, there are three parts to it. I think it's important to understand that. The first part is the call. And we have our ordinary world. That's where we are right now. We're in our ordinary world. And our ordinary world is pretty, pretty freaky, you know. So it helps us to be um, aware that we need to have perhaps a better level of awareness of what our ordinary world is. And out of that then comes something called the call to adventure. There's a a call for us to change or do something different. We then often will refuse that call. Uh, or not and then a meeting with the mentor to help us overcome our reluctance so that's the call then you have the adventure which has five parts and that I, I was in the recruiting business for a long time and I really saw a lot of this where the person would decide that they really wanted this job well the adventure starts with crossing the threshold and committing to change and so they would arrive there and they would have certain expectations and and then they would feel like, oh, I don't know if I want this or not. And that's often where we need some kind of a guide. And then this is the key. There are tests, allies, and enemies. And I taught a course at UCLA Management School on organizational power and politics, which I developed because I saw all these people that I recruit and they go into the company and they think, oh, this is just wonderful. I'm just going to do everything I wanted to do. And they didn't even think about Well, who are my allies and who are my enemies? And quite frankly, in corporate world, (laughs) we're going to have them. Um, And then there's the Inmost Cave and the ordeal. And this is where things get really, you know, pretty difficult. And then finally, kind of the reward of beginning to make progress. But here's the key. And this is very important because it's about transformation. The last part is called the return. And and the road back, what it is really, is a rededication to change. You know, if you think about somebody who, say, has an alcohol problem, they go through a program, they go through all of those things, but then when they go back to their life, um, they might not make it. So there's that rededication to it, and really, then finally, going through some kind of transformation where we're actually taking, I guess, who we were and adding in who we are now, and coming up with a different way of being and then we finally master this and that's when we return from the journey with the elixir and this is so key because that elixir is what we bring back to share with others
0: a yeah, message of wisdom right true it is it is, and the resilient hero complete program, and you outline all the the components to it, and one of which is the learning from your body. This caught my attention.
2: What is this
0: component about?
2: Oh well, that was that was kind of fun the way that happened. Um, I had studied a practice called Feldenkrais for about three years, some some years ago. I was actually thinking about becoming a Feldenkrais teacher, and then I ended up taking a job back in the corporate world. But it's it's a marvelous, it's it's different from yoga. It really is, Moshe Feldenkrais taught, you learn to slow down your movement, you learn not to push, you, you learn so much about yourself and your body from those lessons. Well, I there was this woman, Marsha, um, uh, who I knew from a group I was in, and she is a Feldenkrais teacher. And so we started talking about this and I said, you know, Marcia, I think it would be very interesting if you would develop some Feldenkrais lessons that we could put into the course around the hero's journey so that at different parts in the hero's journey, we're also learning from our bodies and learning to relate to our bodies. So that's how that came about. And it it's working very well. People really like it. Yeah, I love this idea to bring the body
0: into the journey. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is already part of it, but a lot of of us forget about it. We are just in our heads, right? Most of the time, the mind, do you compare that with yoga
2: somehow? Well, it's not, it's not exactly like yoga. It is more about, well, I'll give you an example that happened to me. I went down to Solana beach, you know, it was a two week program every few months and I would be there and we'd be all be on these big mats lying there and doing various exercises and, um, And then you could also learn to be a Feldenkrais teacher who then works with people and actually helps move their bodies. But I was just going to be teaching lessons. So we were lying on our backs and we were being told to take, you know, lying on our back, have your arm down by your side and then slowly start bringing the arm on the ground around in a big circle up, you know, as far as you could over your head. And then they would ask us to do the other one. So. I was doing this and the teacher was walking around looking at us and he stopped at me and he said how are you doing and I said well I'm ups- I'm disturbed because my right arm will not go up as high as my left arm and he um, said well try doing less with your left arm <laughs> <laughs> that was unbelievable it just was so different and that's what Moshe was so good at was just throw it it's like he would just take your mind and and give it a twist. <laughs> so it's it's a marvelous practice, I think it's not as well known as as yoga is, of course, but I think more and more people are are participating in it now, yeah. These are wonderful practices that they bring the whole being
0: into it. It's not just the body, but everything. Although you call it, it looks like an exercise for the body only, but it's not. It's disguised in a way.
2: It's in your mind. And I think, you know, I just was realizing as we were talking about self-compassion, the idea that I was mad at my my one arm for not doing it as well as the other. Well, there's not a lot of self-compassion there. (laughs) And so what it does is it, 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 he's always teaching you to slow down. That's the way you do it when you're doing with, with the lessons. We have about, I think, six lessons in the course, and when you do them, you do them very yeah, slowly. I love that. That also reminds
0: me of gentleness and kindness when you say that. Right. Yes, so I have, oh, yeah, I have some quotes here. That I found to be very interesting. You said, life gets easier when you see yourself as a hero, when you create your own story. And then you also said, learning how to think about about a, a challenge you face as a hero's journey will help you change the way you think, feel, and act. This is, I know it's one method. We have so many methods to go back to that place of wisdom and of love. But this is the one that I am familiar with, The Hero's Journey, and I know how powerful it is.
2: I think it's that when I was doing my MBA, I, I was putting together a project and and it, it was kind of, I was using some of The Hero's Journey and there's a thing called Locus of Control that was a, a measurement that um, uh, was it Julian Rotter came up with. And the idea was there was a test you could take to show if your locus of control was in inner or outer. Did you believe that you had control of your life or did you believe that it was coming from the outside? Which is often a big problem for people. Um, And so that's what got me to start thinking about it and to say, I think that it's important and that's what what it, what I see in the hero's journey, and I, and I saw it again and again in the comments of people went who went through it who would say things like you know um, oh where is the one that I loved so much it was um, let's see okay right. becoming aware of the stages of the hero's journey has been a revelation and has given me a framework to understand where I am what I'm stuck on and how to move forward and it's things like that I think that that what I see is if we start seeing ourselves as a hero, well, that begins to move that locus of control inward. And it gives us a great deal more power. Um, and and I think a lot of people are afraid of failing. They're afraid of risking. But as you begin to really accept this role as a hero, it changes that in you. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest reasons I want to keep teaching this is I we just we just don't realize how heroic we are. Hmm.
0: Especially when we go back to the, uh, the energies inside of us, like accessing that power within. Right, I agree. Then everything's possible, yeah. acceptance is such a powerful state of mind, but most of us don't use that. <laughs> we try to control the outside,
2: and, but not accept as it is right now. I agree. And I think, I think one of the issues that we're dealing with now is because the world around us is so out of control and it literally is what I said about the script changing every 15 minutes. So if you think about this and you don't have that, that lifeline of the hero's journey and you don't have an inner locus of control, it's like you, you feel like you're just being battered about, you know, We 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 look at all of that and we get angry about it because we can't control it. And um, I think what we have to understand is that first we have to be able to control ourselves.
0: Yeah, I love that message. Uh, Thank you for for saying that again because yeah, ourselves. (laughs) We keep saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Right, boy. That's wonderful. So I have a few more questions for you. I call them final questions. Would you like to add anything, Kat, or read a passage in your book or on on your website?
2: Um, I think there, I, I would like to, to share, share a couple of other comments of people who've been through this. Because I think so, several of them were just so key. And one of them is, a, is what leads to transformation is this ability for non-judging. And so, what one person said was, "I think it's so powerful that we're making these observations about ourselves without judgment, but with an even tone of "These are things I see and want to change." And the structure of the hero's journey is a safe step-by-step way to do this." And I thought that was very powerful. Um, well, one of one of them is about failing. Your, you know your comment if we don't commit, we'll never experience the learning to be found on the journey. Help me see that fail. This is a big one. Help me see that failing has learning and growth in it. That's if you can begin to feel that instead of, well, then it goes back to self-compassion and all of those things, too. Right, right. Yeah, right. Because
0: most of us don't even try because we're afraid of failure. Right,
2: right. Mm-hmm. And and I think what we, you know, one of the things I always say to people is all heroes fail. How can you be a hero if you haven't failed? <laughs> True. True. It's obvious you've set a goal that's made way too easy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true. Yeah, so true. So true. I agree. There's anything else you'd like to add, Kat?
2: Oh, uh, yeah, there is one thing. And this one person, this was a really interesting thing. And I think for women, especially when they haven't really had enough opportunities earlier in their life, and she said that studying the hero's journey has given her her chance to finally bring the elixir to the world in a big way, instead of staying safe and doing something small. Mm, yeah, that's wonderful. That's a biggie. That's a yeah, biggie. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I learned so much mm-hmm. from, from the people in the course. <laughs> oh, I can
0: imagine, right? The most amazing thing, so many of us have so much wisdom, natural wisdom even. When we access math is like this. That's when you see yeah that potential just expanding and manifesting, and it is magical to witness that.
2: Right? It really is. I, I just can't believe the, the changes in people and the the power that they give themselves. And and I mean this is what we need so badly now because a lot of the people who are trying to deal with all of this craziness, it's mostly bringing out frustration and anger and that is just not going to do any of us any good so i i really see this as a way when you can begin to feel more powerful within yourself um and and you know the other thing i think too is that i've been i've been dealing with change my whole life that's what i did in the corporate world and help help companies make big changes i think that we don't know, many of us don't know how to think through complex situations. And so what you see is that that somebody will say, oh, well, this is what we have to do. And then someone else will say, no, this is what we have to do. And and we're all racing around doing a whole bunch of different things. And nobody is stepping back and putting a group of people together and saying, okay, I, the, the one that I see that does this more than anyone is um, Governor... I never know how to pronounce his name Cuomo of New York. Cuomo. Yeah. Oh, he is he is what I consider a very involved evolved individual, and he is capable of bringing people on board that can contribute their parts, and they're all appreciative of how the whole thing can fit together. And that's that's the only one I've seen that. That strikes me as being huh, where we all need to be. <laughs> that makes sense, right? He makes some sense true.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know much about politicians, so I can't make a comment,
2: but Yeah. If you're a saying. <laughs> well, I just watch him because I, I I saw him early on and I thought oh my gosh, this guy is very evolved.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know what you know. So yeah.
2: Yes. 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 Check him out. He's uh, I think we can learn a lot from watching what he does and the way he does it and the people that he brings in, you know, having spent so much time in the corporate world and, and having helped people go through so much change, I got to experience a lot of different leaders and I, and i and that's when i began to differentiate and see that some people had this capability more than than most right true yeah by
0: working with so many people that's natural that you would um, see the difference exactly <laughs> in approaches yeah. yeah so my final questions i think i have three questions for you how do you define success today what is to be successful to you
2: for me personally um, it is to continue with my work and, and really get the course out and in a big way. I, my my mission for a long time has been to bring the hero's journey back into the world. So that is my big thing, to get it out there. And then also, of course, to make enough money that I can begin to have a little more freedom and probably move. <laughs> uh, but to just... just be here and do my work and um and have some fun and I have a trail I walk on that I love and we have a lot of donkeys around here that come up and one mo- one mom one mother donkey birthed her foal right on the outside my fence one day <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cute <laughs> so to have oh, wow. to have nature and friends uh-huh. and you know that sort of thing
0: yeah i love that yeah nature around us yeah wow and I love your sense of humor, <laughs> how light you are, how happy and joyful. <laughs> um, two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently?
2: I've been thinking about that lately just because I'm, you know, I am getting older. I don't feel old, but um, I, I think the one thing I do need to change, and unfortunately I don't have time to do it, is I want to make a plan um, so that... Because uh, I had to do this with my parents so that somebody else doesn't have to come in and go through all of this stuff, you know, and, and spend a whole lot of time trying to do what needs to be done. So I think I think that's a considerate thing to do for people. I think the other thing is maybe to have more of a relationship. I don't know that that's possible. I'm just not sure. I'm still at that stage where I miss Greg and, um, you know, it just takes time. Wow. Thank you for being yeah, genuine. I love how genuine you are too. Thank you, thank you. I, yeah,
0: beautiful.
2: This has been wonderful. It just, um, I feel, I feel so um, connected to you. Be, and and in listening to you with some of the other interviews, I, I just felt like I, I, I had a podcast years and years ago, okay. and I was also a guest on a lot of podcasts. And now I'm coming back into it. So this is my first one back. And when I saw what you were doing, I thought. That's where I want to start. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah, I love that you're coming back with these
0: messages, powerful messages that we need to hear. All of us. We're reminded of.
2: Well, and, and the work you do is very much along this line too. So I feel very sympathetic with you. Thank you for your support and encouragement, Kat.
0: So I have one more question for you. Um, what are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Oh my
2: God, (laughs) (laughs) you saved the toughest one for last (laughs) things that I know for sure. Well, one is that I will die, um, and leave, and leave the planet. Um, one is that I, uh, I will succeed because that's who I am. And that's what I do at getting these things out there. And I, and I will make a difference. And the third one is, I don't know, it has to do with my cat Amelia, I think. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, that's I lovely her, name. I wrote a a little ebook about her hero's journey. And of course, you know, I'd written choosing to be with Pooh Bear and Cats and Bear. So I have a I have a strong relationship with cats. So I think that I know for sure that she is my my um my guide and my friend. Um, and I value that how much I relish being able to be here and be out there and connect with people like you and and create just slowly, at just as like you're doing, to keep creating this sort of widespread net of people who are all working together to really help us save our planet, if you will, and yeah. our world. Yes and
0: yes, a thousand times. Thank you so much for your wisdom, your presence, uh, your genuine energy. I love that and how fun you are. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful way to start getting back into this. I appreciate it. Thank you. Where can we find more information
0: about you, your books, products, services, online courses, and future projects?
2: Uh, Probably the best place is my website, and it's www. Kat Tansy it's K-A-T-T-A-N-S-E-Y Kat com, and pretty much everything is there There's you can get the free ebook on the hero's journey um, you can see uh, the courses I also have four videos on there uh, where I really talk about um, what's in the ebook and expand on it more so you can learn a lot there yeah wonderful thank you
0: so much again Kat and we'll talk soon
2: oh thank you
1: Bye
2: for now. Okay, bye.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kat Tansy and her work, please visit kattansy.com.
0: To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and
1: bye for now.